You're riding on the Denial Bus with Patty Crouch and Holly Gates. All right. Hi, guys. I am so excited for our interview today. Uh, we are interviewing Megan, who is my sister's sister-in-law. Your sister's <laughs> sister-in-law, which yes. means she's nothing to you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Got it. So, okay. Her husband is the brother of my sister's husband. Okay. Her okay. husband is the brother of your sister's husband. You got it, Patty? Yeah, she's like even more further removed than me. <laughs> we, we we both married the Phillips boys, so yes, Phillips both boys. named yeah. the Phillips yeah. boy. Okay, so your your yeah. last name is now Phillips. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> I have only met Megan a handful of times, but I love her just from those uh, few interactions, and I weirdly know everything about her because my sister tells me everything, and I feel like I've walked on this journey with her for years and I've been praying for mm -hmm. her and her family and I know just a weird amount about her for someone who's barely met her. So I might ask you questions that will freak you out. <laughs> like, I love it. You know that. Wow. I love That's it. a little creepy, but not because you're praying for her. <laughs> if you hadn't said you were praying for her, it'd be super creepy. Yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> that makes sense though. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear the story because I don't know any of it except that you've adopted and you have a child who has Down syndrome. That's it. Yeah. I got nothing yeah. else. No, I know nothing right. more. And your name right. is Megan and I keep calling you Maria. So even that okay. is hey, wrong. That's like my whole life. It, it's always a different A name. So, or M name, sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right, well, I respond to a lot of, a lot of different things. So you're fine. Oh, that's great, Maria. Just joking. <laughs> it's Megan. It's All right, Megan. Um, so start us off because your adoption journey was long and I, I know that you guys actually started the adoption process before you even tried to have kids. So yes. was that something you guys just knew you wanted to adopt and have biological kids all along? Yeah. Well, no, actually, we didn't want any kids. That's, that's where we started the story is, um, yeah. So, okay. That's, um, oh, okay. Like, I'm already <laughs> shocked because yeah. most people yeah. know they want to have kids who adopt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So no, what? Okay. Go. Okay. So, um. Let's see, where do I even begin? My husband, he played in a band and we just got to travel all over the country. It was so much fun. And we were so blessed just to see um, different ministries, different churches, and just see what the Lord was doing all across the country. And we um, met this amazing couple up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and they were running this little coffee house. And instantly we just fell in love with these people. And so over the course of a couple of years, the Lord made it really clear that we were supposed to move and go help them out in this coffee shop. So we ended up, Nate left the band. I was teaching at the time and we ended up um, moving to South Dakota. And so Holly, when your sister got married, we came out to the wedding and in the next week we moved to South Dakota. So that's kind of where, oh, wow. when I, the first time I met you, that's kind of where our whole journey begins. And at that point in our life, we, um, we had been married for what? or seven years at that point I guess six years we just had our six-year anniversary and we you know when we first got married we thought we'd have kids and then I think just um I did not grow up a believer I did not know the Lord until high school and I think you know when you're raised like that you don't always see the value in kids you can kind of see the world's perspective on kids so I kind of had more of that in my mind but then I spent a few years subbing and then a few years teaching and I feel like by the end of that season I was like maybe we shouldn't have kids. Like maybe we should just, you know, like even though we love kids, we would really pour into kids in our neighborhood, that kind of thing. I think our, our hearts were more for those who are hurting. Um, and I think at times we found, I almost want to say like a spiritual pride in that of like, you know, maybe we shouldn't have kids and just like go work in an orphanage the rest of our life or that sounded so spiritual to us, you know? So mm -hmm. we kind of thought Sioux Falls was like the middle ground. And then we'd eventually move overseas somewhere and do some kind of missions. And so um, we moved there in 2008. And um, it was funny too, because shortly after that, we had a prayer time with um, this pastor. She came down and she prayed just for our team, everybody that was on staff at this coffee shop. And after that, she went. She started prophesying over each person, and it was this incredible time. Um, 
time of prayer and I was the last person that she was going to pray for. And so, you know, I was like really excited because everything was so spot on for each person. And she gets to me, she puts her hands on me and right away she goes, you're pregnant. (laughs) And I was like, no, no, I'm not pregnant. And she's like, okay, okay. And then she's like, you know, gets ready. And then instantly she's like, no, you are pregnant. (laughs) I was like, no, I'm not. And I'm like getting mad. Right. And that happened four times. And like each time I'm like getting madder and madder. Like, no, I'm not pregnant. I'm not supposed to have kids. And, you know, honestly, I was so mad the whole time that I don't remember everything that she said, but she was, she, she said, no, you're going to go on to be a mother of many and specifically those that are hurting. And I was hit. Like I was so (laughs) mad and I like stormed off to the back. We had a prayer room in the back and, you know, it was the first time that I just laid it out before the Lord of like, is my heart wrong? You know, do you have kids for us? And it was interesting, too, because there's so much at that time pointing to kids. But again, my heart was just like, and I would even have random people come up to me and be like, you know, I sense that you're wanting a child. And I'm just like, no, like I don't. I don't. But um, anyways, so the fall of 2008 was an election year. And in, in Sioux Falls at the time on the ballot, they were trying to end abortion. Um, and it was this huge, you know, huge campaign that they were doing. So the coffee shop that we worked at was also a house of prayer. So there's like two things going on. And we decided to take those 40 days leading up to the election to pray, um, you know, specifically about ending abortion. But more than that, we just felt like the answer to that is that people would adopt. And so the Lord's so funny because here we are, Nate and I, leading these prayer meetings that really most of the time was just him and I. Now and again, maybe like a person or two would walk in. And, you know, there's some other people, but I, I remember specific prayer times that Nate and I are leading these and we are, you know, declaring children are blessing from the Lord. You know, we're like declaring these things that we have yet to really accept in our heart. Um, but, you know, there is a time in those 40 days that I felt like my heart, like, I mean, specifically in the prayer room, I felt like the Lord totally just healed my heart of like, you know, I was a blessing as a kid and kids are a blessing. And, um, you know, we got done at the end of those 40 days and we just kind of looked at each other and realized that we could be the answer to our own prayer. So we just, you know, prayed for those 40 days. Um, so that kind of began of like, okay, we should look into adoption. And then at that point, you know, it was like, well, if we're going to adopt, let's have our own. And I even wrote in my journal, like, I think it'd be so cool if we adopted and had one at the same time, because then it'd be like having twins, you know? (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I wrote that down. Um, but we were raising support and this was, um, I mean, we kind of sat on this for a few months, you know, because our hearts were so set at first of not having kids. And then this felt like such a huge change. Um, but this was going into the winter time. Now we were like kind of in March of 2009 and we, um, we were given this like weekend getaway to go up to the twin cities and it was like a marriage conference that we got to go to. And, you know, we get in the car, we're driving on a highway we've never been on and we're just sharing our heart and it's all about adoption. And we're just like, how does this work? Cause right now we're raising support. We seriously were living off of a thousand dollars a month. So <laughs> we you're raising were living in our friends. You're raising support for your own day-to-day living, not necessarily yeah. adoption, right? Okay. Because okay, yeah, people no, no, also exactly. raise for like adoption, you know, they will have, baked sales and whatnot to cover fees. So what kind of adoption were you thinking? Are you going to get there? Yeah, I'm going to get there. Okay, I'll wait. (laughs) So, so, um, you know, yeah, so we're just raising support just to live. Like that was like we were viewing ourselves as missionaries, you know, working at this ministry. And um, our income was very small. And we were actually living in our friend's attic at the time. And we're just like, how do you do a home study in your friend's attic? You know, like how do you even get, you know, like, how's the government going to say, sure, go adopt some kids. So, you know, there's these things that were like, Lord, we feel like you put this on our heart, but this makes zero sense right now. Like, how is this even going to work out? And, you know, we just prayed and I just said, Lord, I need a sign. Like, I need like a physical sign. We're supposed to do this. And we get done. And like all the way, it's like 350 miles to get up to the cities from where we're at. And I mean, maybe it's like this on every highway, but I've never taken note that like every mile there's those signs that say like adopt a highway, you know, <laughs> adopt a highway. <laughs> and then, and then we also saw a handful of signs that were for, you know, either abortion or adoption. And it was just kind of like, I mean, it's like one of those things when you're looking at a certain car, then you see them everywhere, but it was just mm-hmm. like, those signs are everywhere, you know? <laughs> so anyways, um, you know, through this journey, Nate kept saying, well, what about special needs? What about special needs? That that was his heart from the very beginning. And I was like, you know, okay, but maybe not first. Like maybe let's, 
you know, adopt and then maybe have a few of our own and then jump, you know, at least understand parenthood and then jump into that. Um, but, you know, he kind of kept bringing that up off and on. And we, there's a few things that we looked at, you know, we were involved with the Native American community up there. So that was on our heart and we pursued a few things there. India has always been on our heart. So we looked into a few things there and it was kind of like everything we looked at, the door just got closed and, you know, we still were trying to figure out what this all looks like. Um, but in July of that year, um, our staff sent us, Nate and I, and then Nate's sister, she came up to help out. And then at this point, too, um, Nate's brother, David, and then his wife, Kathy, so Holly's sister, she also came up. And we all lived in this duplex together, this really nasty, disgusting house So we all lived. We're on the top <laughs> and they're on the bottom. So anyways, we're all kind of there together. But um so Nate's sister and one of their staff members, so there's four of us, we went to um, North Dakota to hear um, a guy by the name of Derek Lauk. Have you guys heard of Derek Lauk? No. No. Okay. Okay. Super special. So he was from Kansas City, and he was associated with um, the International House of Prayer there. And so we went there to do a harp and bowl training, and that was the type of prayer that we were doing in the House of Prayer. So we get there as a very small group and right away he says, look, I'm going to talk about my two passions in life. And one is prayer and the other one is adoption. And right away we're just like, oh, you know. And so he, um, at that point, they had two of their own and then they had gone on. Oh, I'm trying to remember how many kids they had adopted. Um, I want to say they had six kids that they had adopted and three wow. of them were from an organization called Reese's Rainbow. And Nate had heard of Reese's Rainbow before. Um, and Reese's Rainbow was started by a mom here in the States who had a little boy with Down syndrome. And then when she learned what was happening to these kids over in Eastern Europe, it just broke her heart because it's really believed over there that kids with any special needs, even like a cleft lip, I mean, any anything that makes them different, that's the curse and you don't take a curse home. So these kids are then you know, locked away in these institutions that most people don't even know are there. I mean, Seriously, I'll get into that. Mm. Um, so she started this, this adoption agency called Reese's Rainbow. So, you know, we were there as a Saturday night, and Derek spoke a little bit about his story. Um, and then we left, and we went to the hotel, and Nate pulled up Reese's Rainbow on his laptop, and he said, look, I, just, I want you just to look at this website. And so it's all pictures of kids, um, I mean, all over the world, but um, specifically in Eastern Europe. And to see these faces of these kids, I mean, my heart was just like totally broken for them. Um, and so I went to bed that, I mean, that was like the last thing we did before we went to bed was look at these kids. And so the next morning we get there with a front row of just not that many people whatsoever. And we spent some time worshiping. And um, during that time of worship, this, this is really, this is really neat. So um, I, I hope it's not confusing though. <laughs> so, during that time, the Lord reminded me of a dream that I had had. And I've always been a dreamer my whole life, but it wasn't until right around in this time that I really was paying attention of like, oh, you're really trying to tell me things. And so um, like a year and a half before we moved to South Dakota, um, we had a friend who had been in foster care in high school and he was placed with his family and this, the mom, well, the mom and the dad, the dad had passed away, but the mom had adopted these two girls, one that had fetal alcohol syndrome and the other one that had Down syndrome. And I believe that oh. both of them were supposed to be aborted, except this, this mom stepped in and said, I, I will take them. Oh, wow. And with Down syndrome, it's really common that they have um, a heart condition. And that's actually why a lot of people with Down syndrome had a really short lifespan is because this heart condition until, you know, more recently when doctors were aware and were able to fix it. And, you know, now they're living a lot longer than what they used to. But, um, this little girl was having, her name was Allie, and she was having another heart um, surgery, and they were really scared that she wasn't going to make it. So our friend called us, and he asked for prayer. And, you know, we were praying for her, and that night I had a dream, and I've never had another dream like this, but I had a dream I was in heaven, which I don't think I've ever dreamt that since, and Jesus was there. And again, this is probably the only time I've remembered Jesus in my dream, but I was sitting at this huge banquet table. And there was a ton of people and I was sitting there with Jesus and it was like the most like elegant, beautiful thing ever. And 
we all knew that we were waiting for the guest of honor to come in. And it was like building, like, who is this person going to be? Who is it? Like, who Jesus is already and I there. Just like, who yeah. could it be? <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. But I just remember Jesus the whole time saying, I cannot wait for you to meet this person. Like, I just, I'm so excited for you to meet this person. And so, you know, it's building, it's building, it's building. And these doors fly open and it's Allie, the girl that we're praying for with Down syndrome. Yeah. And she walks in and she's completely healed completely beautiful and I just remember in that moment thinking how blessed is her mom to be like you know that's my daughter and so and and Allie ended up everything's fine she's doing fine but in that moment of worship before Derek spoke the Lord took me back to that dream and and we were singing that song hallelujah he makes all things new and you know in typical like I hop fast and we sing it for like 20 minutes you know like really long <laughs> But it was like such a powerful moment that like before Derek even shared a story, I'm like a mess, like, you know, nasty crying, like just totally bawling. And it was just so solidified in my heart. Like I felt like the Lord was saying, don't think about this here on earth. Think about what it's going to be in heaven. Like think about these kids in heaven. Um, and it just, it was just like, I mean, Nate already knew that at that point I was convinced, you know, so um, like all during Derek's talk, I'm like sobbing. And, and it was interesting. So this was in July. Um, of 2009 and that December Derek died in a car accident oh wow um so yeah so it was really um I mean he's so dear and his wife has continued on to keep adopting kids and they just really you know believe in the power of adoption so um so we're just so thankful we got to spend the time that we did with him and so anyways we got home from that conference got on Reese's Rainbow and was like okay where's our kid you know let's do this so um, most of them are kids with Down syndrome, but then they also have this other section called, um, what is it called? Um, I already forget the name, something angels, right? And these are all kids that have, don't have Down syndrome, but have something, you know, some other need. And so, you know, we're just flipping through and it, it's kind of weird. I mean, honestly, it's like we, we have a dog and I feel like I knew more about my dog than I did my own son. Like they just yeah. give you a picture and they might say like, oh, this one has blue eyes. And you're like, thanks. I can see that, you know, <laughs> it's the or they might give a little thing. bit more. Yeah. You know, they might give a little bit more of like, you know, this child's very happy or just, you know, things like that, that it's just kind of silly, but whatever. Um, That's most random. We like how do you do a description of a child who needs a home? Yeah, you know? like I it's know. just so strange. And, and then how like, do you choose from that? Like, oh, yeah, this one's we into need dinosaurs. All. I like dinosaurs. Yeah, <laughs> and you're just like, uh, <laughs> I'll take that one. So, um, you know, we're flipping through, and there's one boy in particular that stood out to us, and his name was Dane. Um, and all it said was Eastern Europe, and um, we didn't know anything about him. We just, you know, we're just like, look at that little boy, and kind of kept flipping. And I was like, how old is okay. he? So he was four at the time oh wow okay yeah and so we you know it's kind of one of those things that I was like go back to him go back to him and um the next day we we emailed Reese's Rainbow and we said you know pair us up with this kid so we got paired with with Dane and then we instantly got an email back telling us you know Dane's in Serbia which I'm like where's Serbia <laughs> I had no idea <laughs> how to get out the map um and so and he does have fetal alcohol syndrome. That, that's what we were told. So we, um, you know, right away, I was like so overwhelmed by the finances. I mean, it's so much money. It's it's so, it's so sad. How so much is it? Because I know so, international adoption can be so expensive. And you think of this yeah. kind of nonprofit and maybe less, but at the same time, there's yeah. just so I mean, much was, government tape and so much everything. And, and just flying over there to get flying it. And yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, it, and it was. Um, it, so it was $16,000 where, I mean, we have friends that just adopted and I think theirs were like $40,000, you know, so definitely a lot cheaper, but still, you know, for us, we're like, that's more than oh, we no. make in I a mean, year. Yeah. So how are we, uh, how are foster we care is the economical route. They pay for you to do it. So <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine, couldn't imagine. You guys so, are yeah. so smart. <laughs> <laughs> it was an economical choice. <laughs> there you go. So, um. But, you know, early on, I felt like the Lord said, don't don't worry about the finances. And it was amazing. I mean, in the end, when we got ready to go and we're like counting up our money, we were within like dollars, like what was given to us. And we we did fundraise. We did. We made some necklaces and we sold those. But, you know, there's a church in Sioux Falls that, that paid for our whole flight. I mean, that we never even met, didn't even go to. I mean, it was amazing. 
and especially when you tag on special needs, I feel like there's so much more out there. Um, so that really, I mean, there was a time too, we had to send out these papers with a $500 check and it was like, okay, we don't have $500, but do we just wait until we get that? Or do we just mail it just trusting the Lord? And we mailed that. And the next day there was $500 on our porch. Wow. We're like, wow. okay. So there was so <laughs> many things like that. Um, and my husband, he's a, he's a bookkeeper and he just like, you give him paperwork and he gets that done so fast. So, I mean, we must've been like the fastest people ever to get the home study <laughs> done because he was just on it. He was so on it. And um, not only were we covered to did the U S government say that we could adopt one kid, but they said we could adopt two. I mean, I don't financially, they wanted to, they wanted our financials from before we moved. So we looked great on paper back then than when we <laughs> lived in two falls. So, um, so anyways, you know, we, we just jumped right in. We learned where Serbia was and start the process. And we were told that, you know, most of the time it takes, like Serbia is really fast and they had just started to do special need adoptions. This is like brand new, but they were taking about six months. So we were told, you know, this was in July. We were thinking December, we'll go, you know, go get Dane and this is awesome. So, you know, we just jumped right in. Um, and so then as time went by, let's see, this was probably like starting to go right into the fall. And we got an email and everything's done through email. We get an email that um, the lady that we're going to work with, she goes to see Dane because he's in a different orphanage. And she lets us know that he's really not doing good, that he, um, you know, they, he, they know he has fetal alcohol syndrome, but there's more going on that they're not quite sure. And she said, I just really want you guys to understand what you're signing up for. You know, like he's screaming all the time. Um, you know, he doesn't look people in the eye. Do you still want to carry on with this? And you know, it was really weighty. And I, I feel like even looking back, it was so good for my heart because of the challenges that we have faced with our son to really have me go there of like, the reality of saying yes to a kid with special needs, because I realized, you know, this kid, all he knows is this room, he might not be able to go anywhere. Like my whole life could be just being in one room with this kid singing over him, you know, and am I willing to lay down my life for this little boy? And you know, we just really, we sat there, we prayed a lot about it. We took some time to think about it, but we just couldn't say, oh, this is too hard. Forget it. You know, like just everything in us was like, we're going to keep saying yes until this, he's either home with us or the door is closed. And so that's what we did. We just said, we're going to say yes. You know, we believe that love never fails and let's just go for it. So we continued on with Dane. Um, you know, again, I think from our end, the home study was done at this point. Everything was sent off to Serbia. We're waiting for them to do everything. And then mid-October, um, we get this email. And over there, it's not a judge who has the final say. It's the social worker. And so Weird. the social worker said, I know, kind of interesting. The so It is honestly it's so sketchy, but whatever. The social worker <laughs> said um, that she will not allow us to adopt Dane. And the reason was, she does not see how anybody could love him and he does not deserve a family. Oh my goodness. And we were just like heartbroken. I mean, we were totally heartbroken and we, you know, we pressed into it a little bit. And the next response was, if you bring him up one more time, we will shut down all adoptions in Serbia. <laughs> so we're like, ah, oh, we can't be that family, you know? So, wow. Um, I think they would want so, to get rid of, you know what I mean? Like get him think. out of the... That this would be a good totally. thing. That's so weird. Like, we're paying you. Like, yeah. come on. Right? So um, that was really hard. It was really hard wow. for me to just knowing that he's just trapped there. You know, he's not going anywhere. And, you know, at this time, um, 2020 had done, like, an investigation on Serbian institutions. And they were, like, ranked one of the worst in the world. And, you know, like, they had hidden cameras. So we're, like, watching all this stuff on YouTube, just bawling, you know, mm -hmm. just just realizing he he's a prisoner. He is stuck there the rest of his life. And it was just really, it was really hard. Um, you know, at this point, we could have done anything. We could have just been done with Reese's Rainbow, or we could have picked a totally different country. But, you know, it was like, we had everything done for Serbia, like everything sent there. So we're like, well, what other kids do you have? I know you have more kids over there. So they sent us a list of the kids that they had. Um, only three of them had Down syndrome and the rest all had other special needs and all, all the other ones were kind of older and we, you know, we were really intrigued with getting a younger kid. And so we had narrowed it down to the three that had Down syndrome. 
Um, and one of they, they're all of them are really dark hair. They're all like dark hair, super tall, super hairy people over there. But there's one, the one little boy that we were sent that was totally a blonde, little cute blonde hair boy. And his name was Alex, Alexander. And right away, Nate's going, that's the one. And I, I think it was just so hard to move forward for Dane. I mean, this little boy captured my heart and, you know, I didn't even want kids. And then all of a sudden, all I wanted was this one little kid that was going to just scream the whole time. I was like, I was willing to do anything. So it was really hard for me just to move, move past that. Um, but they're, they're waiting on an answer for us. Like, okay, you know, what kids? So, um, we, from there, then narrowed it down to two, both were right around the same, same age at this point. Um, both had just turned one and, you know, I went to bed one night and we, we needed to make a, a decision the next day. And I just said, Lord, just, give me a dream. I need a dream. What, who is our kid? Like I have, I just feel so weird. Just like, do I flip a coin? Like, what do I do? You know? And so that night I had a dream about Alexander and, um, the blonde hair one. And so when I woke up the next day, I said, okay, he's the one, Let, let's go after that one. So, um, we got paired with him and we knew right away that we wanted to change their name. And what we wanted to do was move, you know, the name they were given to make it their middle name. So they still a part of them. And this is really cool because everybody in Nate's family, they all have a middle name that starts with an A. And then I also have a middle name that starts with an A. So we had always thought it'd be fun to carry that on, you know, when we have kids. We want to, you know, continue that. But then when we thought we were gonna, when we knew we were going to adopt, we're like, well, that's not always going to work out. But it totally works out because we had a, a name with an A. And even now when we talk about adoption, I'm like, but what's their name? And if it's not an A, we don't even consider that child. <laughs> so funny. That's like our to get into this family. So, um, anyway, so, you know, we, during a time of prayer with our staff, um, one of our, one of our team members, she, she was quoting the, the Malachi, um, what is it? Malachi four, six verse about the Lord turning the hearts of the father back to the children. And as she was saying it, it was so clear to me that that's his name, Malachi. And it's such a testimony of what the Lord did in our hearts, because, you know, again, we didn't want kids, but he totally turned our hearts back to the kids and so um we looked up the meaning and it meant god's messenger and it just felt so right so early on right away we knew his name is malachi so um this this is like we're in december now of 2009 and um because everything with dane you know it kind of stopped everything from their end so now we're mindful that we're not moving as fast but we're thinking april and they're telling us april start looking at plane tickets around april that's when you'll be coming out so we're like okay so you know, we're, uh, we're just waiting at this point, just waiting. And, um, and that was really hard to wait. And what's really hard too is, you know, you get put on like an email list and it's like everybody else who's adopting with you at the same time. And so every day you get emails from like the people that got their date of when they're supposed to fly and go meet their kid. And so we're watching all these people get their date. And then we're like sitting here like, wait a second, like, I thought Serbia was fast, you know, and like people, they just jumped in all of a sudden they're, they're out to get their kid. And it was just a really hard season for us to wait and just be mindful that this boy's just sitting there, you know, but anybody that would adopt from his orphanage would eat, like, we kind of know what family is adopting what kids so we could take pictures and send them. So we were getting pictures of him and, you know, most of them he's laying in his crib. We had one where he's like strapped in a uh, car seat, sleeping in the ground or on the ground, you know, so it's easy to start making conclusions of how things are going. Um, but everything we get, he's just a smiley, really cute little blonde hair boy. So, you know, we're so excited. It's just so weird. It's like, you just, all you know are these pictures. You don't know who they really are. Um, so we, uh, we had some friends throw us a baby shower. This was in February and we're like all set thinking we're going in April. And then we get an email stating that the social worker that said she's been working on the paperwork has not even started it. Uh, Is this the same social worker who, you know, good question. I, I, I believe it was a different one because it's based off of the town they were born in and Malachi was born in a different town. So, um, I think it was different, but. You know, it was really, uh, it was just really frustrating. Isn't it, and then from, isn't oh, it crazy though, how an email can like alter your whole day and the rest oh, of it? Like, it's just so totally. crazy. Like how, in foster care, it's like you get one call and it just 
it changes your day of like your yeah. hope then just gets crushed by one email or one call and you're like what what totally it's hard totally. and the waiting is the worst and I couldn't oh. imagine I couldn't imagine waiting to get my kid who's being in quotes raised by other people right now because yeah, you were yeah. you were waiting to adopt your kids but you were the one oh yeah I them. I was waiting Not, ready to yeah. adopt but Ugh. I was with them every single day I was mm. able to be their mother they they the day that they I knew they were going to be my kid they came to me you know wow. it's just different yeah but we still had to wait but it was a different waiting because in the waiting I still got to love them like yeah. physically not just like through and pictures. The longer he's there, the more trauma is happening. Yeah. That you're going to have to yeah. deal with later. Yeah. In hindsight, that's what I would be thinking. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go on. Well, and you know, right during this time too, we got an email um, from Jasmina. She, so she's a lady that we worked with over in Serbia. And so this was like, oh, I'm trying to remember when we heard about this. Um, this is probably February. No, this was in March. Okay. So March of 2010. And she informed us that the boy, Dane, that we had started with, that he had died back in December. <gasps> yeah. And, I mean, I that was so – I had a lot of mixed feelings about that because, um, I mean, for they she told us that it was the flu, that it's, you know, very common for kids to die over there, the flu. And it, in one way, we were so relieved because he was free, you know, because yeah. there was nothing there for him. He would have mm-hmm. just been in an institution the rest of his life. Um, but then it also, you know, when we got to Serbia and we, we talked about that, she was very quick to say, I don't know what happened there, but something was not right. Like when she, mm-hmm. cause this was not the orphanage that she worked at. This was a different one that was like on a different side of town. And she just said, I, it was not, she's like, they would not look me in the eye. They would not tell me what happened. I just was told he died of the flu. So, you know, it's just so hard because who knows what's going over there and going on over there. And it's not that they're like trying to be evil even though it feels like it but I just think the lack of resource and the lack of valuing people with anything different um so you know it's hard then to get that and then we're just realizing like I mean it's just like a pregnancy it's not we've also have had a miscarriage before and so it's that you know I just realized like you don't know until you're holding that kid you can't you know get your hopes up that this is all going to work out um so it was just a really hard season. And so, you know, come April, we're thinking we're leaving and we're told she hasn't even started the paperwork. And then on top of that, it's going to take her a couple of months to get it done, but then they take off two months in the summer. <laughs> so we're like oh, doing the math here, realizing we're, we're thinking the fall uh, now. And then it is right at this time that I'm realizing I don't feel too good. And we took a pregnancy test and we realized we're pregnant. So, what? whoa, <laughs> so this is this is very much like our life. We're like, yeah, let's do it all. Um, <laughs> so then, you know, we're like, are we going to, you know, we're just trying to figure this out, like praying that we can get to Malachi before we have the baby. And, you know, it was really hard when we started announcing that we were pregnant because I, this never crossed my mind, but I think everybody thought we were adopting because we couldn't get pregnant. And so it's that everybody's first, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Everybody's first question was, are you still going to go get Malachi? And man, I was so mad. I was I like, imagine. I'm not going to leave him over there. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, we just, he's our kid. Come on. Exactly. So we started, we realized we started saying to tell people, it was like, oh, Malachi's going to have a brother, or, you know, have a brother or sister. Like, we, we just, uh, we would just get that out of the way. So, anyways. Um, so, you know, I can imagine I stupid people going, well, you don't have to adopt Malachi anymore. You're like, exactly. Uh, exactly. But why would we not? <laughs> Okay. Exactly. And, you know, honestly, we we were so blessed to have, you know, specifically like our family, our friends, they totally supported, you know, Dave and Kath, they helped us make so many necklaces. I mean, they were just such a big support um, in this whole journey. And we definitely had people that really questioned what we were doing. But I'm just so thankful because this wasn't like our brilliant plan. I mean, it was so clear the Lord was saying do this, that even when people were coming to us with their concerns that made sense. It's like, I'm sorry, but this is what I know the Lord has called us to do, you know? Um, so anyways, I'm just really thankful that everybody supported us the way they did. And, um, so yeah, so we, we got this picture in the middle of the summer and, um, it was so precious and actually so sad too, all at the same time. But, 
um, a family had gone to adopt and this lady, I guess she volunteers in the orphanage, but she wanted to meet this family that was adopting this boy. And they all went outside and she just randomly picked a kid to take outside. So she took Malachi outside. And so this family sent us a picture, but it's Malachi's first time outside. Oh, oh my goodness. And I mean, other than the day that he got dropped off at the orphanage. So he, he was, you know, from the hospital, his parents, um, what we were told is that they did not know that he had Down syndrome, um, that they just left him at the hospital. And he sat there from October until December. And then in December, got moved to the orphanage. And Jasmina, the lady we were working with, she worked at that orphanage. So she had known him from that point on. But she said when she, from the time she met him, that he's never cried before. And so honestly, I think that first few months sitting at the hospital was probably more damaging than the orphanage was. Um, you yeah. know, because already he learned that if I cry, nothing happens. So what's the point? Oh, but I forgot to tell you guys something so cool. So we started that 40-day fast. Um, we started a little bit late because Nate's parents were coming out to visit us and we wanted to see them and, you know, be able to eat with them. So we ended up starting it on October 3rd. And it was that day that Malachi was born. Oh, wow. What? <laughs> and it's just so cool that like on this fast, it totally rocked our heart. It was, that's Malachi's birthday. And so we actually took a picture of ourselves and it just, it's fun. Like I remember writing in my journal and I just love that I, it wasn't like what happened on that day. I was like, no, I remember that day so specifically. Um, and I just love that. So, so special. That is really special. So, um, anyways, we, you know, we are just waiting and I'm pregnant and then we find out we're having a boy and then, um, you know, Dave and Cass got pregnant and I know you guys just got to hear their story too with Asher. So we, we were joking that there's something in the water cause we both were pregnant in this nasty house that we lived in. <laughs> um, That's where I should have gone. Exactly. Come on up to us. The water. I'm good. I don't want the water anymore. I tapped out at three. I'm solid. Oh, four is a good number. I'll tell you what. Uh, no. <laughs> so, um, so we, we are just waiting and come and there's so many things in the story, but I'm just going to get to it. Finally, at the end of August, they say, okay, you're ready. You can come and get him beginning of October. So and how many months pregnant are you now? Um, okay. So when I left, I was 31 weeks pregnant what? and we, we were there for three weeks. So when we came home oh. with Malachi, I was 34 weeks pregnant oh. and you can't fly at 36 weeks. And when we first found out we were pregnant, I thought I was two weeks ahead just based off of you know my period and everything um and then we had a ultrasound early on and they they pushed back my date they said no you're not as far along as you were but had that not happened we wouldn't have been able to fly you know so wow. I mean my midwife sent me with like all my paperwork and it was kind of this like everybody's like well what if you give birth over there and I'm like well and then both our kids were born in Serbia <laughs> you know so I mean it was funny because I had no fear after giving birth I'm so glad I did not give birth in Serbia my goodness <laughs> um but you know it just I just with my other ones, every time I hit that 31 weeks, I'm like, there, I would not go to surgery right now. But for whatever reason, <laughs> it just, the Lord's grace on it, it felt so right. So like, yeah, we're going to surgery. Like I just, That's crazy. so, um, know what you know now. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. So, That's you know, why we had he was your first that, yeah. because he didn't know. Wait, I'm sorry. What was that? That's why he was your first is that because oh, you yes. didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. So you were adopting your first one while you're having your second. And it's like, oh, exactly. wait, I didn't know anything about exactly. delivery and yeah. pregnancy and all the jazz. <laughs> so, the Lord just knew. Um, and we had found out, too, that we were having a boy. So we knew that Malachi was having a brother. And we named him Zadik. And Zadik means just and righteous. And I had three different people pray over me that he would love righteousness. And so... It just was a fitting name. But we also just felt like he was such a part of this journey with Malachi um, and the justice that was happening. And so anyway, so Zadok had his first plane ride at 31 weeks. <laughs> so uh, so we get to Serbia and um, Malachi's birthday was October 3rd. And um, we were supposed to officially meet him on the 4th. And so we were trying so hard to go and see him. But by law, we were supposed to have this like fancy meeting, you know, before we could ever go see him. So anyways, we missed him on his birthday. But, um, you know, it was just a crazy time. We were in this, this really nice um, apartment that was like a mile and a half away from the orphanage. And, you know, Serbia, we were so excited to go to Europe, but we were so excited to get out of there. It's just, it's such a sad 
country. I mean, totally still trying to build from being bombed by America. And they just, there is not much hope over there. And everybody smokes, you know, it's like even to go and like go get coffee or sit at a restaurant. It's just everybody smokes everywhere. And especially being pregnant, I was like, I can't do this. So it wasn't as like dreamy as we had made it to be, you know. Of course not. But um, finally getting to meet him, we, we had to have this meeting first where they went through and told us like everything that he'll never do and every, you know, like they went through everything about him. You know, they did all these tests on him, all these things. And then at the end was like, do you still want him? And it's just like so silly. It's like, you know, here we are. We're here. You of course we all the way here. <laughs> it's not like we're going to change our mind. And, you know, we had told Jasmina we were pregnant right before we came because we didn't know, you know, at first we thought we'd be going earlier when I wasn't showing, but I'm not the tallest person and you can definitely tell when I'm pregnant. <laughs> and so she was telling me, well, maybe just like get some baggy clothes and try to hide it. But I was, it was so funny. I was like trying to pick out all these clothes. And finally I was like, you know, I am seven and a half months pregnant. I can't hide this. Like I can't hide that there's a baby inside of me. So Anyways, it was a little bit of an issue when we got there, um, not with Jasmina, but when we went to, you know, sign all these papers, they're all arguing and we're just kind of looking at our lawyer who would translate things. And she's like, they didn't know you're pregnant. So, again, it was one of those things like, just give us the kid. It's not but like you really care that he's, he's sitting be here. But better off. Like, it's not like an American foster adoption where they're like, okay, everything's got to be perfect. It's like, what's what's worse yeah. than where he is? This is going to yeah. be better. Who yeah. cares if you totally. also have another kid? Man. Totally. Yeah. It's, you know, it's such a different mindset over there. It's, it's so sad. Um, but anyway, so we finally got to meet him. And that moment was just, it was so wonderful. Um, I mean, it's so awkward, too, because there's, like, 12 people in the room. Like, everybody's, like, staring us down, taking notes, like, you know, watching how we're holding him. I mean, even right away they bring him in, and they're like, oh, no, no, don't hold him. You're pregnant. And I'm like, ah, you know, we've been waiting 15 months for this moment. Like, give me that kid. <laughs> so, um, you know, the poor, poor little poor little Malachi, though, looking back, he was so scared. I mean, I didn't know it at the time because, obviously, I'd never met him, but – looking back, I don't think he left his room that often. And if he did, I think it was for, you know, they're running all these tests on him. And so when they handed him to us, he was like freaked out. And then it was so funny too, because then they like throw us in a car, which they don't use car seats over there. You just hold them. And we had to go get his passport picture taken right away. So, you know, second time outside ever in his life. And it was just a crazy day. But um, from there, we just, we was, we had to get the paperwork done, more paperwork, so much paperwork. Um, you know, so every day we go to the orphanage, get to spend a few hours with him and then get, you know, come home and just eat, relax and look at pictures of him. And we had a blog going at the time. So we did that for, um, two and a half, two and a half weeks. And then we finally got everything done. We got to tour. Well, let's see tour, but they showed us selected parts of the orphanage. And so there was over 200 kids, um, in his orphanage. Almost all of them had special needs. And you know, it's so sad. It's just like room after room after room um, of all these kids that are just locked in there running around like crazy. And then there's like two caregivers at the very end of the hallway and they're just smoking a cigarette, watching TV. And they didn't know their names. You know, we we were like, well, what's their, you know, who's that? What's their name? What do they have? And they're like, oh, let me go get their chart. And then they're like, well, you know, so it just, it was so heartbreaking. I'm just seeing trauma, 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 and more trauma. But but what was even sadder, though, is where they were at in the orphanage was actually the good place. But at the age of 10 is when they get sent to an institution. And that's where they stay there the rest of their life. And it's, you know, it's like one room with adults, unsupervised. They're just all in there. You know, I mean, it's just it's so heartbreaking. And we even met a girl and she had Down syndrome and she was like a month away from her 10th birthday. And, you know, it, it's just like we're just sitting there feeling so stuck. Like, is there anything we can do? You know? And it just realizing, no, like she's not going to get adopted in a month, obviously. (laughs) And off she goes. So it was, it was so hard. Um, It was so hard, but we, we finally had our date. We had to drive down to his birth town. Um, We had to do a lot of sketchy things like go to the police station and they like deleted where his parents' name was and put our, it's so weird. And I mean, there was just so many things with money. Like if we would ask for receipts, they're like, no, 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 no. You don't ask for a receipt. And 
you know, we were telling our friends back at home, this, this is not, it's so sketchy. And they just said, you're, you're there to get your son. Like, don't just, don't even get involved. Just get your son and get home. And I think that was really good advice. So, um, he was legally ours on October 14th. Um, we got home super late from this whole ceremony that, you know, they just requested, can you pick him up in the morning? And we were so tired that I was like, sure, let's just go sleep and we'll get him first thing in the morning. So on October 15th, 2010, we got, it's gotcha day and, um, man, a lot of mixed feelings with that. We were so excited to get him out of there, but I was really sad. I thought it would have been a bigger deal for the staff, but they, they could care less, you know, <laughs> like, I think it was just like, oh, good. There's one less kid to take care of, you know, so. Yeah, they don't um, care. Like, it they don't like care. They don't I care. mean, I'm it, being very judgmental, but a part of me is like, I'm okay with that. Yeah, like, no, just, it, they don't know the names of these kids. They're not doing it. Uh, uh, yeah, there, there was one lady that I felt like really did care for the kids. And then there was another lady that uh, I mean, you know, and it's hard too because since society doesn't value these kids, then to say, oh, this is my job, you know, I just realized like, this is like, you know, the job no one wants, but because you need a job, here you are. But this one lady, you know, so Malachi, he, he was still bottle fed and they would just cut the nipple off the top of the bottle. And it was like this chicken puree thing. Um, And he didn't know how to chew. Like he was two years old and still could not chew because he had just had liquid his whole life. Um, But when she would feed him, but there's the time that she fed him in front of me. And I mean, it was like, she just put him on his back, handed him the bottle. He had 30 seconds to get down as much as he can and move on to the next kid and what? I just so look in his face I mean it was so sad and she was so rough with him and I'm mindful that you know she's she knows I'm watching him so you think <laughs> this is her she's good probably behavior. being gentle <laughs> compared to what she has oh. been you know it just it was really heartbreaking um so anyways he's ours and we are like now what <laughs> you know like we still had about five more days to finish up his passport but we got all that done flew home with him um well and I let me back up just a little bit you know over there to most like we we went we found this awesome coffee shop that was like right behind the orphanage and anytime people ask you what you're doing there and you tell them you know we're here to adopt they say we don't have any orphans here and and Jasmina prepared us for this she said look this is what they're gonna say and sure enough this lady's like we don't have orphans I'm like okay, come here, come outside your building. Do you see that building right there? There is over 200 kids. And she was shocked. She had no idea. And, you know, so it's sad because you it's like. You literally asked her like this. Yeah. Like she oh. legitimately, oh, yeah. naively, like it wasn't even like, no, I'm going to deny it, but I truly know. It was a, yeah, are I you kidding she me? she knew, but everybody just, that was the party line. But she really no. didn't know. And yeah, that also shows no that they never bring the kids outside if people don't know yeah. what's going on in that building. Yeah, no, not, I mean, it, it really, and again, not everybody over there was being like, like mean and cruel to these kids, but you know, there's no money to fund all this. They don't care. You know, it's just, it's so sad. And even flying home, we changed our flights last minute because we could get home earlier and we were kind of like, get us out of here. We're done. And especially, you know, we're American. I'm very pregnant. Like even just being pregnant, it was interesting when we go to the store and I'd go to like grab the groceries, they wouldn't let me take it. And they would like hand it to Nate. And, and I'm kind of one of those, like, no, I got this, like, I'm fine. (laughs) And I don't know if they're just like trying to protect the baby or, but we just didn't see that many pregnant women. And so I don't know if they all like go in hiding, but I just think big picture life isn't valued, you know, like it's just a burden. It's, and so, you know, here we are, very pregnant, very American, and now we're carrying around a special needs kid. So we were not like their favorite people <laughs> in the world. Um, and even on the plane coming home, so, you know, we had to change our flights and then we ended up, none of us were together and they were able to get Malachi and I together. Nate's ahead of us. And this is on our long flight back to America. And, you know, they even made an announcement over the plane like we have a family they just adopted they would really love to sit by each other is there anybody willing to give up their seat and not one person did not one and the guy next to me was even like I can't do it I need the aisle seat and I you know being pregnant you have to pee like all the time I'm like that's fine but I am I got to get up like every 15 minutes you know (laughs) and then the guy that Nate sat next to um you know he was telling me he you know, Nate told him we just adopted and he's like, oh, my wife and I, we are definitely going to adopt because we don't want to have our own because we wouldn't want to get a kid with Down syndrome. 
And then Nate was like, hey, Megan, hand me Malachi. <laughs> so <laughs> so they're going ad- to adopt to avoid yes. po- the possibility of a kid with Down syndrome. Yes. yes. So that, that guy didn't talk to Nate the rest of the flight. <laughs> <laughs> so Crazy. anyways, we made it home the end of October. And my goodness, it was just kind of crazy. Um, you know, we, we just have a lot going on. Obviously we're new parents. We have a kid that's been very neglected, that doesn't speak English, that, you know, um, has special needs and we're kind of freaking out because everything's new. And, and at this point I'm eight months pregnant. So, you know, it's like, I, I was due beginning of, um, December. And so we, and, and then it was such a big change too, because Nate continued to work at the coffee shop, but now I'm home with Malachi and, you know, we had spent so much time together that even that was hard on our marriage because now it's different. Now he's off doing something and I'm doing something and we're not together. And just even that was a transition. Um, and then the end of April or no, no, the end of November, um, that's when Asher was born. And so, you know, we, we had just been home for a month and we're like trying to, you know, walk through all that with them. And we were also relieved that he was you know, healthy and alive, because we didn't even know if that was going to happen. But it was still, it was just so, so much, so much going on. Um, and then is, uh, my sister's son, who was born with a lot of medical issues, just for people yeah. who didn't hear that interview. You can hear it. It's, it's labeled yeah. Cassie's interview, which reminds <laughs> me, I think I actually prayed for you then, now that I Aww. think about it. Because Thank remember, you. you were asked me to pray for your sister's something who is adopting a, a kid with Down syndrome. That's probably Aww. her. I can't think of I can't imagine if you have another yeah, friend. Yeah. It's me. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. No, Does that's, explain? You know, okay, that's just so hard. Like, I can't imagine. Like, I think of the day the girls came home to me and just how naive I was and realizing mm-hmm. all the attachment things I should have been doing and, like, all of, the, like, all the stuff that I wish I would have known, I would have done some of these things differently. I don't regret it. That's a hard word to yeah. say, but there's things that I'm like, Ooh, probably shouldn't have done that. I probably should have done this a little better job, you know, like just yeah. changing, like how this kid who's never been outside tw- was about twice in his life is now on a plane. Like how yeah. do you handle that? And yeah. then go to a house that's like totally different culture, totally, like, probably so overwhelming sensory wise. Cause if you're in this, yeah. I'm picturing this, like mm-hmm. not sterile, but probably just like not decorated, not happy orphanage place with all these cribs around with all these kids who are forced to eat in 30 seconds yeah like this look it's Noah's Ark on your wall <laughs> like <laughs> it's such a drastic stimulation change for him yeah well you know honestly I think he did better than we did <laughs> um, <laughs> He's you know like- he he was just like he was pretty easy going even on the plane I mean he was not, he was two years old, but he could not crawl yet. And I, I think that was mm-hmm. such a blessing from the Lord because he just, he sat there. I mean, he was rocking back and forth and he kept bumping the kid next to me, which any other time I would have been so sad, but that kid chose not to give up his feet. So I did not <laughs> care if Malachi was going to bump him for eight hours across the ocean. So, um, you know, he, overall, he did really good. It was interesting though, because we were mindful that he, you know, had never cried. That's what Jasmina told us. And even times that, like, he would, like, like, it was almost like it was hard. He had such low muscle tone, which is common anyways for Down syndrome. But just, you know, he, no one was playing with him. And that was something, even that first, our first full day with him, that we spent, like, three hours with him, he did almost everything that we were just told the day before that they, they had never seen him do. And it was just, wow. you know, it just comes to show you, like, just spend time with these kids. Like, if you yeah. just engage with them, they will get there, you know. And so it was super encouraging to us. But, you know, there was a time that he, he like, was trying to crawl and then, like, fell and hit his head and really hard and didn't respond at all. And so that was, you know, obviously right. alarming to us. And so we were really just praying that that would, you know, be healed. And I don't remember what it was the first time that got him but I think within a couple a couple weeks of him being home you know he got hurt and when he cried he cried for two and a half hours he didn't stop wow and it was and you know in that moment we were just like let it out just you know (laughs) get it all out yeah but then that was the norm if he started crying he was crying for two and a half hours so you know after like like, (laughs) yeah we're good 
<laughs> and stop. All right. I think you, you got it all I, out. So. I want to know the neurology. I mean, we'll never know, and I doubt they can do, like, tests yeah. and stuff on this. But I want to know, like, because the attachment cycle is where it's, like, your child cries, their need is mm-hmm. met, they get mm-hmm. safe, and then they'll do it again. And when you break that cycle, like in the, the in Malachi's case, they just eventually learn that, okay, I'm not, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just not going to yeah. cry. But the brain's very neuroplastic. And so at certain point, you guys fed that your need's going to be met, your need's going to be met, your need's going to be met, that eventually a new pathway was formed so that he could cry mm-hmm. And you're going to meet his need, but then mm. you're going to figure out how to turn it off. Like, and it realized, yeah. oh, wait, I can stop <laughs> crying now. But that's so intriguing, yeah. like how the brain just works. Mm. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, um, you know, the biggest thing for me with him though was food because I had no idea. You know, we were buying baby food, but he was used to like a chicken puree thing, and. This is where, had I had kids before, I would have known what to do. Like, oh, yeah, I got this, you know, but I had no grit. And I remember taking him to the doctor and being like, what do I feed? Like, he was losing weight. He was getting so skinny. Um, and we were doing baby food, but it just, you know, it wasn't enough. Um, he did not know how to use a straw. Like, it just, you know, we didn't know. And so, and I remember the doctors being like, oh, he's fine. He can eat whatever you can eat. And I'm like, nobody doesn't know how to chew. And so even to navigate that was so hard and stressful um and we were really alone like we started doing therapy a couple months in but even that um I don't know I I think they were just mindful that we're new parents and I maybe they just didn't want to step on our feet or whatever but we just needed so much help and we were just had no idea but Mally was a pretty easygoing kid for them I mean not in the moment in the moment I felt like so like ah but looking back I'm like she was like the easiest thing ever (laughs) you know like he was just like (laughs) whatever so um, I love that when you're like, oh, I should have appreciated that more. Why did yeah. I stress exactly. out so yeah. much about that? So now exactly. I have this well, and I'm, I feel <laughs> like I should have not stressed out about that. Yeah, he was fine. I mean, it was it was so hard because we saw so many of those orphanage things. Like he would bang his head often. And that was just like a sensory, like he had no toys. This is how he had learned to entertain himself. And so, you know, even when we would put him in his crib, we would just find him like sit, rocking on his hands and his knees, just banging his head on the crib. And so we actually kept him in a pack and play for like the first month away from the walls so that he couldn't do that. But then, you know, there's still times and, and he's totally outgrown this. It took a couple of years. But, you know, he had had toys all around him, but he would still choose to go up to the wall and would just sit there and bang his head. So, you know, we had a lot of things like that. But then we also had this other extreme of like everything is new, you know, his first bath or his first time at Walmart. I mean, I remember telling the lady, like, he's never been in Walmart before. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> this is amazing. Um, you know, so many firsts that were just so exciting in the beginning that just, I think, made it really fun for us. Um, and he hated being outside, which is like, you know, negative 30 in Sioux Falls. You don't want to be outside anyways, but he was Perfect. not a fan. Um, so that was fine. That. We just stayed indoors. Um, and, but honestly, that took a long time. I mean, his eyes would water and, you know, it was just grass. He hated grass. It was, it was just so much. So anyways, we get back, um, you know, our brother and sister-in-law had their baby and that was just really hard. And then, um, Zadik was, all my kids are late. They like to stay in me for like 10 days. So he was Aye. not born until December 14th and birth. Oh man. I mean, I, I realized that we had been so concerned with getting Malachi that we were still not prepared for a baby. I mean, we, somebody gave us like a really old nasty used car seat that when my mom saw, I'm so surprised she didn't just like go out and get a brand new one. Cause it was so nasty. Um, I mean, we didn't have, we didn't have anything. Like I had one outfit, I had some diapers, but we were just so focused on Mally that it was like, I, you know, I'm mindful I'm pregnant, but we just, we didn't have anything. We didn't have a crib for him. Like we just didn't have anything for poor Zadik. He made it just fine. Um, but we got home. He had you from day one. He's fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and again, I think that really put things in perspective for us. Like, oh, you're, you're doing just fine. But, um, he was born on the 14th and we got home from the hospital two days later, we get in and it just felt like such a huge, like, we're finally home. We have both of our boys. Like this ah moment of we're here and the phone rings and we had a tragic death in our family. Um, one of our nephews had died and it was just such like, no, like we just got home. Everything's supposed to be good. And 
it was so hard. So we, we honestly, we packed up everything and we drove out to Colorado for the funeral, um, which you do not get in a car for 12 hours after you just had a baby. I also learned that looking back, you don't, you don't do that. That was very hard. Mm-mm. Um, but you know, we're, we just, we had so much come at us at once just between being new parents giving birth, you know, this death and then everything with well, Asher. One, and it just, one kid being added to the family is a lot. Yeah. And then you're adding two. Three kids added and one taken away in a matter yeah. of several months. That was a crazy yeah. time. Yeah. It was. And, and in fact, in our other, our other brother and sister-in-law, they had a kid too. So there was four, oh. four babies that came within a month of each other. Um, and then, yeah, one that was taken away and it just, and, you know, to watch me, he's watching his brothers go through these, the hardest things, you know, one that lost one, one that had one, but they're dealing with all this stuff. And, you know, it just, it went into a really hard season for us. Um, a really hard season. And honestly, looking back at this season, you know, I had these two beautiful boys that needed me. And I think that's what got me through the season is I had to get up. I mean, Malachi could not do a single thing for himself and he really still can't do most things for himself. But, you know, I had to get up. I had to feed him. I, I had Zadik and Zadik didn't want to sleep Zadik at all. Zadik couldn't do so, anything you know. for himself either. <laughs> yeah, he was the Exactly, newborn. except smile. He was so cute. He was just like the cutest little happiest baby ever. And it just was like such a gift from the Lord in that time because it really, you know, we had months there that it was, it was so hard. Um, it was so hard. And we just, it was just like a crazy year too. Both our grandmas died. My brother was in an accident, left him paralyzed for a while. I mean, just like all these crazy what? things all at once. And we're just having all these emotions and not knowing what to do. And so, but yeah, at the same time, they're just like growing up so fast. And um, ah, so it was just crazy. But we made it through. I'm so thankful. We had this amazing support our pastor just poured into me our people that we worked with they came along us and somehow in it all I feel like we got on our feet we got into a routine we started seeing a lot of progress with Malachi he was even you know engaging with us he would look us in the eye he would say words now and again and we were just so hopeful for you know what what was going to be for his future um started doing therapy and that was good. And then, you know, this leads us all the way up to his third birthday where at that point therapy stops and they want to throw him into preschool. And, you know, I was kind of like, he, he couldn't walk at that point. I'm like, I don't want to stick him on a bus. Like this just felt too soon. And I still didn't feel fully, you know, attached to him. Um, but it's so hard in those moments because if you don't say yes, then you kind of like lose all these services and, I don't know. Uh, there's so many things like that. So we ended up putting him in preschool, which I still don't feel like was the right choice. Um, but, you know, along the way, we're still seeing these things that look like autism that we have just decided is orphanage stuff and that eventually is going to go away. Yeah. And no one's saying anything to us. Like no one's saying, you know, everybody's just saying that that's orphanage stuff. It will go away. Just keep pressing on, you know, and we, there was this awesome support group, um, a Down syndrome support group in Sioux Falls, and we connected with them and all this group. They were just so great. And there was one family there who had a boy with Down syndrome and autism, and I connected with her so well, and I just saw so much of Malachi in this boy, you know, so I just kind of had a lot of questions for her. Um, but again, no one's saying anything to us. So we're just like, we just kind of let it go, you know, and we're just investing in our kids and surviving the day and they're just growing so fast. And, and, you know, it really, in a lot of ways, even though they're two years apart, you know, Malachi still wasn't crawling, but him and Z, we call Zadig Z a lot, but they, they started crawling at the same time and they started walking at the same time. And so they just were this little, honestly, we call them the sharks because they would come like around the corner, like all fast and sneaky and crawling and ready to get into something. And, you know, they were just kind of both at the same place, um, but they were just so precious. So we ended up spending um, another, let's see, we spent almost two years from the time that we got Mally and that it was more in two more years in South Dakota. And at that point, I just, I really wanted to be back home. We we're originally from Colorado. All of our family is here. And we really needed help. We needed free babysitters. We just needed nice yeah. weather. And so it was really on our heart to come back, even though we, we felt so clear that the Lord had called us there. And on one of our visits out, um, we came out for my cousin's wedding. And, you know, anytime we came out, we would talk about moving back. But we just kind of just waited on it. But driving out for this time, 
you know, Nate said, what do you think is, if somebody offered me a job in Colorado, what would you say? And I was like, absolutely. absolutely." <laughs> and driving back from that trip, Nate got a phone call and he was offered a job out in Colorado. So wow. we took that as a yes. And so we moved back to Colorado. Awesome. And to the sunshine and, um, you know, same thing. We, we had Malachi in school and Again, the, the autism piece was still in my mind. When we first got connected to our doctor here, I, I brought it up to her. And I said, at this point, we had heard a few words from Malachi, and then all of that had gone away. And I kind of just saw him regress a lot more. And so, you know, I was asking the doctor, should we, should we get him tested? And at this point, he was four. Is that right? Yeah, he had just turned four. And she said, well, she has a brother that has Down syndrome, actually. And so I felt like we were buddy buddies, right? I can trust anything she tells me, <laughs> but she, you know, she just shared that honestly, he probably probably wouldn't get an accurate read until the age of 10. And so she told me to wait what? and I was so bad. I never listened to her. I know, I know. <laughs> and so, and you know, it was interesting because you know, we'd have waves where I'd see it as he would interact more and I'd feel good. Like, okay, he doesn't have autism. This is fine. We, we can move on. And, and you got to know from the very beginning when we talked about special needs, um, Autism was the one thing that my husband said, I'm not doing. Like, he was really open to a lot of things. <laughs> but he just said, I'm, I'm, God I'm not doing that. Oh, really? You're <laughs> yeah, not? I know. Are you yeah. sure, Nate? That's <laughs> the one thing we didn't circle on our profile for adoption was FASD because we knew how intense it could be. Or so we uh, thought we knew how intense uh, it should be. And all three might yeah. have it. So it's like, oh, okay, God, you're right. You're God. I'm yeah. not. Bow down. We're good. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. It's so true. It's those things. I mean, I said I'd never leave Colorado. And then I'm like, I'm in Sioux Falls. What am I doing? So anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, we I had a friend. Um, she was my college roommate. And she went on to work in um, a middle school with special needs kids. And when she came out to visit, that was the first thing she said. She's like, he looks just like one of my kids with autism. And that that to me was like, OK, this is this is uh, we need to get this tested. And, you know, I feel like our adoption process has kind of been um, prepared us, I think, for just the rest of our struggles with Malachi because we're like the one family that everybody's like, oh, like, like anything we try to do takes us years. Like, so, you know, I finally, we were with a different doctor. I finally was pursuing, um, you know, getting him tested for autism. And this was like a three-month process of me calling this place, like even just trying to figure out how much this was going to cost us. Um, finally ended up, you know, three months later on this phone interview that's like 45 minutes and halfway through this interview, I mentioned something about Down syndrome and she's like, wait, he has Down syndrome? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, we won't see him. And I'm like, no, hey, this is taking me three months to get this far. What do you mean? And she's like, no, you have to go to the Down syndrome clinic. Like we will not see him. But she said, you don't want to see us because it's an 18 month waiting list just to get in, to have your kid tested. It just, it's so silly. So anyways, we, um, we ended up getting him tested, and this was, at this point, too, we um, <clears throat> had had another little boy. We, so now we, we have three boys. Simeon is our third boy. I know. You want more, and there is more. So just make sure to tune into the next episode where you'll hear the conclusion of part two of Megan's interview. Thanks for riding on the denial bus. But your stop's coming up. You're going to have to get off. Get back to the real world. Life. But don't worry. You got this. 